In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Jesus coming before you tonight in this time of prayer. Quiet, chance to talk with you and kind of say whatever is on our hearts. Hopefully this time of meditation is just a continuation of a conversation that we've been having with you all day, all week since last week. And we don't just jump in fresh, but we're regularly talking to you. We have this relationship. I'm not sure if I've shared, but I have a, I have a friend who we have a rule that we have to talk to each other every like month or two, because if we don't, it's too much to just catch up. Like it's too much. To, like I can't tell you what's gone on over the last couple of months. And so uh, we have to talk every month or two. Um, yeah, I've definitely shared that before, but they, um, but that's it with you, Lord. Like these times of prayer can be more difficult if they're not part of an ongoing conversation with you. Or, you know, we could just, there's so much to talk about. Tonight we could take for our our meditation the scene um, with our Lord talking to the woman at the well in Samaria. This comes from John's Gospel, John chapter 4. And John's Gospel is very beautiful because Matthew, Mark, and Luke in their Gospels, they are teaching us the biography of Jesus, right? The goal of, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is to teach us the biography, the teachings, the miracles, uh, the fulfillment of prophecies, and ultimately the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of our Lord, the founding of the church, all these things. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're, the, they're called the Synoptic Gospels, and they are meant to teach us the biography, teach us the story. Well, John, when he's writing his Gospel, is writing probably much later. Um, so the three synoptic gospels are probably written sometime between 60 and 70, um, maybe even earlier, maybe in the, in the late 50s. And John is probably writing sometime in the early 90s, right? So it's been a, a good chunk of time, maybe 40, 50, 40, 30 years between the Synoptic Gospels and now John's writing. And what is John trying to do? Well, St. John is a friend of our Lord. In fact, in his Gospel, he'll, he ever only calls himself the beloved disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved, right? John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's trying to teach us what it looks like to be a friend of Jesus. That that's, that's what John's Gospel is teaching. What was it like to know God and to actually be a friend of God? Like, what, what was that like? And how did that, how is it different than, than anything else? they've ever experienced. And so what will happen in John's gospel a lot of times is he's not interested in giving us the, the story details. He's interested in the relationship, the, the relationship through these different characters. And particularly here we have this, this woman at the well in Samaria. Samaria was a town, a uh, region that was descendant of the northern tribes. And um, there's a lot of religious confusion and a history of idolatry and antagonism between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. That's why when you have the parable of like the good Samaritan, the Samaritan was like an enemy, like a cultural enemy 
of the Jewish people. Uh, and so the good Samaritans, like, yeah, our cultural enemy is our neighbor and loves us. Okay. So we hear that um, Jesus had to pass through Samaria and he came to a town of Samaria called Sikar, near a field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well and it was about the sixth hour. Now, first of all, that's so beautiful, just like a description. Like they're on a journey, they're walking back to Galilee and Jesus is tired. Like it's been, it's been a long day. Right. And, and maybe we could just, at this point in the evening, six, six in the evening, like maybe we're just tired. Maybe it's been a long day. Maybe it's been a long week right, already. And it's only Wednesday evening, but it's maybe it's been a long week. And so Jesus is tired and he just wants, he just sit, sits down by the well. Um, and again, John is setting the scene. He's a beautiful writer, right? It's about the sixth hour, right? It's about noon, um, middle of the day. Probably not a lot of shade, tired, thirsty, um, probably hungry because we hear the disciples go off to buy food uh, in the next verse. And in this moment of tiredness, right, in in the moment of Jesus's tiredness, we now hear a woman, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me something to drink, right? Give me, give me a drink. Um, because the disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus is sitting there by the well. He's tired. It's hot. Sun's like beating right down on him. The woman comes to draw water, which in and of itself is problematic. You don't go to get water in the middle of the day, right? You go in the morning or you go in the evening, like when the sun is low and it's cool. You don't go in the middle of the day. The reason why she's probably coming in the middle of the day is because all the women go in the morning and in the evening. And because of what we're going to hear later on, she's probably an object of gossip. So here's, here's an unpopular woman, right? Someone that they gossip about and who's not really accepted in town. And so she has to come in the middle of the day with the sun at full heat to get water. And Jesus is tired. And he's sitting there. And he just asks, just give me something to drink. Can you give me a, a drink of water, right? Can you give me a cup of water? And it's a simple, it's a simple invitation. It's not, this is not, he's not asking her like, hey, can you uh, go read the entire book of the prophet Isaiah and study it and realize how it actually speaks about me? Like, no, he's not saying like, hey, right now, like I need you to convert and turn your whole life around and leave your water buckets and come with me to Galilee because I'm the Messiah. He doesn't say that either. What does he say? Give me something to drink. Can you give me a drink? And this is how Jesus interacts with us that oftentimes he doesn't start by asking us for big things, right? Jesus doesn't start by being like, turn your entire life around, like right now. Like, hey, that's good. You want to turn your whole life around right now? Amen, let's do it, right? But we don't have to start right there. Let's start with, can you give me, can you give me a sip of water? Which here in this meditation is like, can we give you, Lord, a half hour? Like it's a half hour. It's a sip of water. Can I give you, can I give you my heart in this time? And maybe not even a full half hour. Like maybe when it's a, there's a chance to pray and like, I've got five minutes. When I have five minutes, I usually look at Instagram uh, or YouTube or check the news, even though nothing new has come out, right? What if in that five minutes instead, I, I gave that to Jesus? Two minutes, right? Who cares what the newest story someone posted is? Uh, Jesus, I, I could talk to you. Just, hey, can you give me this? Just two minutes. 
we just talk? Can you talk to me about what's going on? I had a situation not long ago where I kind of felt compelled to, to pray in Thanksgiving. It was, it was you know, not an immediate need, but like Jesus did something really beautiful in someone's life and I wanted to say thank you. And it's like, look, it's only going to take a minute. Like I live, I live literally a 30-second walk if I'm slow away from our Lord and the tabernacle. It's only going to take literally a minute round trip. To just say thank you. It's not a lot. Give me something to drink. Just a little, a little something. Jesus just makes a small little re- request. And immediately, uh, her response is maybe what our response is, which is rejection. Um, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to, I can't be bothered. I don't want to get involved. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a, Samar- a woman of Samaria? Uh, and then John tells us because the Jews, they didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans, which in the Greek is like they didn't share utensils, right? Now, I'm, I'm about not sharing utensils. If I even think that somebody drank out of a cup already, I'll get a new one. Um, and definitely we're not, not sharing forks or spoons or anything like that. Like we don't, we don't do that. Um, I won't sit in a seat that someone else warmed either. So, um, we, you know, so look, how, how could you ask me for something to drink? Like we don't, you won't use my bucket. Like... You won't drink out of a bucket that I use. You won't use the, the ladle I have. We don't share utensils. So how, how can you do that? It's a rejection. It's a politically correct rejection, but it's like, look, how, how can you be doing this? How can you be asking me for this? We don't. We don't interact. Our cultures, our people don't interact with each other. And that might be it. When Jesus asks us, like, hey, do you want to just pray for a minute? Like, you want to just take a minute? you want to just pray? Um, and we may be like, no, I don't do that. Like, that's not, that's not my thing. My people don't do that. We don't do that. I'm not the, I'm not a prayer type of person. I'm recording this, so it may go up on a podcast, but I had a meeting today with our new archbishop, Archbishop Coyne, which was very nice. Talked about a lot of different things and he's just trying to get to know the diocese. And, um, but he started, like, I, I've had a lot of business meetings in archdiocesan settings. And for the first time ever, I sat down, he's like, let's say a prayer. And we, we started with prayer, right? He, he wanted to start our meeting by praying. You don't normally, like, that's nothing I, I've ever experienced. It's beautiful. Like, yes, okay, here I am. I'm a priest. I'm talking to my future bishop. Like, yes, this is good to pray together, uh, to have that be the first thing that we do together. It, but it could easily be like, hey, Hey, Archbishop Coyne, I don't know if you heard, but like, we do business here. We don't do prayer. Like, I don't, I don't know if you knew that, but we're, we're running a business. <laughs> we don't do prayer. <laughs> right? And it could be that. Like, and sometimes when it's like, you know, even if he said the prayer out loud, you know, prayed from his heart. And even I could, I tried to pray along with him. But I'm also thinking like, this is weird. Like, we don't really do that. This is not, I don't know. Someone needs to teach the new archbishop that we don't really pray before we meet. We just jump right into it, right? Uh, this is awkward. What should I do with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, okay, like, cool. Um, and that could be like, when we're invited into prayer, do we, do we have kind of an initial rejection? We don't, we don't really do that. I don't really do that. Like, that's not my, it's not a me thing. I don't, I don't go in that, right? Okay, and that could be Jesus 
yeah, this isn't my, <laughs> you got the wrong person, you got the wrong type of people, this isn't the way that we do things. Don't you know we don't do this? And Jesus immediately goes deeper, right? The, the, the response of Jesus is not like, oh yeah, sorry, didn't realize we don't do that. Like He just goes right deeper, right? Gets right to the heart of it. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters, right? He would give you living waters, um, waters of life. If you knew and you asked, you would ask him. If you even knew who you were talking to, you'd ask him. He wouldn't, I wouldn't have to be asking you. You would be asking me if you knew me, right? He goes, he goes right deeper. And that's what Jesus does with us. When we have that, maybe an initial rejection of him, maybe initial like uncomfortable, I don't want to do this. This isn't really my thing. Um, he goes right deeper. Like do, if you really knew the love that God has for you, like the love. And now who is the gift of God? Well, Jesus, he himself is the son. He's sent by the father. He's the love of God poured out. And so the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is the love of God poured out. So if you knew, if you knew everything going on, you'd ask me. And I would, I would give you living water. Um, and so he does that too with us. Instead of backing off, it's like, actually, you don't, if you don't want to pray, hey, like, we need to go deeper into that. We need to go deeper into the relationship. We're not going to say like, okay, it's okay. You don't have to become, don't, don't be uncomfortable, right? Like, no, no, we actually need to go deeper. That. If you really realize, if we real, Lord, like if we realized that the God of the entire universe is here present among us, like how would that change? How would I not be here talking to you? The second I have a need, like Jesus is right here with us. If I knew the gift of God, man, I would come Lord all the time just to talk to you about any little thing. I have a list of people when I need to talk about something and there's something on my mind and I'm anxious or I'm annoyed. Like I have the list that I go through and I call. And so it's like one after another, after another, after another, like, all right, I'm going to talk to one of these people, right? I'm going to just like, okay, call on Father so-and-so first, then call him. I'm not giving away my list. That's, I'll talk about how the Archbishop prays, but I won't give away my list on, on the recording, right? But I call Father so-and-so, and then Father so-and-so, and then this person, and that person. And okay, depending on what it is, maybe someone else. And none of them are picking up, so then I got to go to the, my last resorts type people, and then whatever. You know what would be better than all that? Like something comes up. I'm going to come right here to you, Jesus. Like that would be, how much better a first response is that? Like how much better is it to talk to Jesus about something than to um, just start calling and complaining to friends or start, you know, um, it's good to have friends. It's good to get support or it's good to get good advice, but it's better to go to Jesus first. I remember a good holy priest a number of years ago saying, um, that he was like, he was preaching a meditation just like this on a retreat. And he just all of a sudden broke his like train of thought. And he just said, like, I am sick and tired. He hit the table. I'm sick and tired of people complaining to me about the Pope and that they don't like the Pope. Like, I'm sick and tired of people complaining that they don't like the Pope. Um, first of all, he's the Pope, right? He's Peter. He is the vicar of Christ. Second, if you don't like what he's doing, don't complain to me. I can't do anything about it. Tell Jesus, right? If you, if you got a problem with Jesus' vicar, 
You don't complain to some rando priest. You complain to Jesus. Well, all the more so, not just the, the Pope, who we should love, who we should really love, and who we should always you know, try to listen to and grow in love for. But anything that comes up, like what the heck? I'm not, I can call and I can complain to some other person, but like, Jesus, I should tell you first because some other person can just give me good advice. You can do something about it, right? Like anything going on that's wrong in my life, Jesus can do something about it. And so if we knew the gift of God, every time there's a need, we'd come right here. We'd come right to you, Lord, in the tabernacle. And we'd talk to you about this. We'd bring it to you in our conversation with you. And so she, you know, you hear that. That God wants to pour out his love into our lives. That God, he loves us with such intensity. And so what does she respond with? Skepticism. Which again, is sometimes our response, right? Skepticism. Sir, first practical problems. You have nothing to draw water with. You don't even have a bucket. And the well is really deep. Where are you going to get the living water? Like, ha, where are you going to get living water? You don't even have a bucket. Um, and what, are you better than our father Jacob? Right? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well for himself and his sons and his livestock. She's skeptical. She's not buying it. And again, when we are invited deeper into relationship with our Lord, maybe we don't buy it sometimes, right? Maybe somewhere in our hearts, we, we want to say like, yeah. Like, no, you know what? I could pray. It's going to be a lot more practical to call. It's going to be more practical to call someone. It's going to be more practical. Like, it, it, prayer is the least practical thing I can do. And we're skeptical. We're ske- we, we, we doubt that all of our problems, if we bring them to Jesus in prayer, like, he wants to take them all upon himself. He wants, to, he wants to relieve all those burdens of our heart. And so we, too, can respond with skepticism. Um, that we're just, yeah. Now, that, that sounds really nice for religious people, but that's not, well, that's not for me. And religion probably doesn't even work. And I, it's definitely, holiness is definitely not for me, right? It's, it maybe it's for someone else. Maybe other people can live that well, but it's not for me. Like, the living water can't be for me. Jesus, you can't fix my problems. And so we have a, a certain skepticism there. And so Jesus has to, has to widen her vision. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Because the water I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Right? The, the water that Jesus gives us, that water of the love of God, which refreshes us. Again, remember, this conversation is happening in the sun and it's hot and they're tired. And he says the, the water that he gives refreshes us from the inside so that we're all, we find total fulfillment. Yesterday, I had a, um, I had a very busy day yesterday and I, I knew at the beginning of the day it was going to be a busy day. Uh, I knew it was going to be like, it was a packed full day and then it just got bigger. And, and even knowing it was going to be busy and I only had a very little bit of free time, I, I stupidly, not stupidly, but, you know, I said to Jesus in my prayer, like, all right, like, Lord, I want to be so available to you today. I have like no free time and I want you to take even what I, even that, like I want you to take even the little bit that I have set aside. Um, I want you to, like, if you want it, you can take that. And so it happened, like it, it, the day got busier and busier as it went on from like 6.30 in the morning all the way until 10 o'clock at night. 
it was like one thing after another. But in the midst of that, in the, in the 45 minutes that I had that was free, uh, then I'm like, can finally take a break. I got a call from someone um, because there's somebody that I went to go visit a number of days ago that was starting to die in the hospice care and, but you know, wasn't ready to receive sacraments yet and they, they weren't really sure. And I got the call saying, this person's dying like right now. Can you come and give them sacraments? And so I like, wow, like, Lord, I, I said, like, you could take even my free time. And in the first minute of that, like, okay, I can finally sit down is when they call. And I had just enough time to go to pray with them, uh, to, to prepare this person with all the sacraments, to go and meet Jesus, um, and then to move to the next thing I had to do. And, um, and the beautiful thing is, at the end of the day, I was talking to another priest, and... Um, and it's like, I don't even feel tired. Like it's been nonstop from 6, 6.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, nonstop. And I don't even feel tired because when we're doing the will of God and we're, when we're acting and we're, we're there and we're with Jesus, we, we don't feel tired. In fact, Jesus later in the, in the story, uh, they're trying to give him food. And he's like, no, I, I have food that you do not know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Right? When, we, when we're doing God's will, when we're in relationship with Jesus, he sustains us and we don't even feel tired and we don't even feel like this is a difficult thing. And so that's the well that wells up inside of us for each one of us, right? That Jesus wants to give us, that he gives us a source of constant nourishment. Jesus can nourish us and refresh us better than, you know, 45 minutes doom scrolling on YouTube. Um, like he can, he can do more for us in that because God, um, great. So then she says like, all right, all right, fine. Maybe I'm a little, I don't want to really admit it, but maybe I'm a little interested. Maybe I'm a little curious. So, uh, sir, give me this water. Like I'll take, yeah, if that's what you're selling. I'll take it. Uh, give me this water. So I won't be thirsty or have to come and draw water anymore. Right. Uh, I'm, o- I'm open to that conversation. And, um, and then again, that may be us at a certain point as we kind of the point of reflecting on this is the way that Jesus just gently draws us, right? Jesus, Jesus is so good. He's, he is a great fisherman. Like Jesus just slowly draws us in, each one of us, right? Just like with this woman. He just slowly like, all right, what am, what am I willing to take? What am I able to give? But now comes the challenge because he'll say, he says, go call your husband. Go call your husband and come here. Right? Get your husband, come on back. And this is a moment of challenge, right? Why is this woman coming to the well at the middle of the day away from all the other women? Because she says, I don't have a husband. I have no husband. We're not going there. We are not going there. Right, go get your husband. No, I'm not. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. So you've answered that right. You, you don't have a husband, right? Um, if there's something that's blocking our relationship with Jesus, right? If there's some area that, Lord, I'm, I'm open. I want to talk to you, but there's this thing in my life that I don't want to talk about. Like there's this thing, the, the reason, the whatever it may be, each of us maybe knows in our own hearts, but that thing that's like my biggest shame, my biggest reason why I think I can't be your disciple. I don't, I think like, Jesus, you love me too much to ignore that. Like you, you love me too much that 
to, to just like, okay, well, we'll just pretend like that's not an issue. Like, no, you're, you're actually gonna, like, you're gonna single out. I love my dentist. I hate my dentist as well, right? <laughs> my dentist is a good dentist. And he, it's like, oh, hey, that really, really sensitive spot, like that, that really, really, you got a little bit of, uh, you got a little tartar there. Yeah, we're gonna scrape that off with a shiny metal needle. It's like, no, we can leave that for next time, right? Like, no, nah, we're going for it. I'm like, no, nah, it's, it's really, like, Father Casey, I love you too much. I can't, I can't let you walk out of here with that, you know, crusted onto your teeth. Um, doc, it's really okay, right? No, my doctor loves me too much. Oh, that's the part that hurts, though, right? Yeah, that's exactly why we got to get it. All right. Like, Jesus loves us more than my dentist loves me. And so... That thing that hurts, that's sensitive, that's difficult. He wants to go there. Like he wants to bring, bring that up. He's going to bring it. If we don't bring it up, he's going to bring it up. If we try to evade it, you know, hey, nothing's wrong there. No problems. Like, no, actually, I know. He knows. He knows exactly what's going on. He can tell this woman exactly what's happening. Not to, not to shame her, not to judge her, not to uh, make her feel bad about herself. But like, hey, we got we to gotta, we gotta deal with this. We got to address this. We, we're not just going to ignore these things. And that's the big thing with Jesus. We, we're not going to ignore it, right? There's nothing in my relationship, Jesus, that, you and I, that we're going to ignore. And the worst things about me are, like, you want to talk about those. You want to help me in those. So I'm not alone in them. Uh, there's a, a movie from the 90s and... Two characters are talking and it's like, uh, it's some kind of discussion. It's like, how do you know, like, how do you know that this person is like the one with whom you're in love? Like, how do you know this person is the one forever? And the character responds, a little Hollywood cliche, but it's, uh, he's talking about his wife and he says, she knows the worst things about me and she's still here with me, right? She knows the worst things about me and she's still here with me. And that's how it is with us and Jesus. Like Jesus knows the worst things about me and he still loves me. He still calls me his own. He still has caused me to follow him. He lifts me up. He forgives my sins when I fall. He feeds me with his own body and blood. He knows the worst things about me and he still loves me. And that's the fidelity that our Lord has. But we can't ignore them and pretend that it's not there. Rather like, Lord, this is, these are the areas where I struggle. And so... And then we're going to get to, well, what happens, right? Um, what's the answer? What's the only way that we could turn away from our sins? I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on a mountain and you say in Jerusalem, it's a place to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father, but you will worship. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. The hour is coming and is now here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is seeking me to worship him. What's the only way out of our sins? It's relationship with Jesus, right? The only way out of sin is a deepening of our holiness in relationship with Jesus in true and authentic worship and love and spirit and truth. It's not just, yeah, I'm going to just... You know, have some kind of self-help plan. Those are good. Yeah, we should do it. Grace in nature. Absolutely. 
But what's the only way to really deeply be healed of my sin? It's that my sin is replaced, my love of sin is replaced with love of Jesus. It's the only way to worship in spirit and truth, to be radically transformed from the inside. That's the conversion that our Lord offers us, to worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. This is the invitation that Jesus makes to us, right? We really want to turn to him. As he's entered into this dialogue with each one of us in our hearts, in whatever way, in the way, whatever way we end up talking to him. But just this conversation, this one-on-one conversation. Like, Lord, I, maybe I reject you. Maybe I'm a little snarky at times. But then you call me deeper. You call, me, you call out the things that are keeping me from you. And then it's true. It's only in relationship with Jesus that we find that ultimate happiness, right? It's only in the relationship with Jesus that we have the power and the strength to change. And so she says, and you know, I, in hearing this in my own prayer, it's probably with a note of, of hope and expectation, like an open quite like, I, I know what I'm looking for for the answer. I know the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he, right? I am. I'm, yes, that's me. And that's what happens. Like the Messiah, the Christ, the one who redeems us, God. Like this, Jesus, we've been talking to you. And you open our hearts to us. And you call us onto mission. We don't have time to go into that. Maybe next week or in a couple weeks when I get back from my travels. But um, Jesus, you call us onto mission. And so um, you're the Messiah, right? You're the one. And we find you in these times of prayer. And we talk to you and you call us deeper. And ultimately we worship you. We worship you in spirit and in truth uh, because we find in you all the source of happiness, of holiness, and of life. So we go to our mother, our lady. We ask her to pray for us along this way uh, so that we can have this deep encounter with her son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help and put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom, handmaid of the Lord, pray for us.